Welcome to South London Hardcore. I'm Jet McEnroy, Steve Walsh. Hello. Finish talking, Steve. Finish talking. Hello. Yeah, yeah. Hi. <laughs> Get it out. We, 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 we were on. We went on. We were, there was. <laughs> we had one week off and it falls yeah. apart. We had a week off. But we're back now and we're in the Audi. No, Lidl. We're in the Lidl car park in Orkham Road. It's my fault, that, because I kept talking about Aldi all the way through. Because I don't go to Lidl normally, I go to Aldi. So everything we were looking at in the shop, I was just referencing to Aldi. And you got an early morning cleaning job at Aldi, Steve? <laughs> Turned down. Didn't even get back to me. Didn't even get a reply. Outrageous. We'll be walking down the Orkham Road today, talking about it from uh, Bricklayer's Arms here to New Cross Road. We're going to be visiting all of the South London locations on the Monopoly board. So this is the first in a <laughs> series of one. <laughs> the cheapest, £60. Yeah, we're going to start it? the cheapest and go all the way up to the most expensive <laughs> at £60. Were you an Old Kent Road slash Whitechapel buyer, Steve? I'd buy, uh, you know, I'd buy Old Kent Road because it was a name I knew. I don't know if you remember that bit in Stella Street where... Uh, forget which one of them it is but he's playing Michael Caine they're all playing Monopoly and he does this whole thing of uh, oh it's Balkan <laughs> old time's sake and I, I felt a bit bad because that's what I used to do when I was playing Monopoly for real it was a self parody I always went for the orange and the pink so when people got out of jail boom hit them hard I was went for train stations because uh, you know I'm a uh, as you know, Jack, I'm a communist rather than capitalist. So I was like, if I can just get the means of distribution for the workers. That was what I was about. Electric company. <laughs> Where are your factories about that, my friend? Community chest. <laughs> Before we embark on our journey, we give a, uh, let's give a quick shout-out, Steve, to the first South London Hardcore Amazon Challenge badge winners. Is that what it's called? Yeah, that's what it's called. That's the, the most succinct form we can come up with for the name of that competition. If you shop on Amazon through the South London Hardcore website, so go to southlondonhardcore.com, click the Amazon link, or save that link in your bookmarks, and buy something, we'll get money. So every time you spend over £10 doing so, or you know someone who did spend over £10, find out what they bought, you know, you turn them onto it. Using our link, that's important. You can win a badge. Set of four. One's got Louis on it. Southland Hardcore, SLHC, Mordekeisha. And our winners so far, Steve, are... Paul Thomas, who's uh, bought a few books over the years. I mean, he's probably... Oh, he's been a, long, a supporter for the show for a long time. Big, big time. I mean, realistically, we should give him four badges. We're not going to, because no, no, we're no. terrible humans. Yeah, he's, despite saying you're a full communist, Steve, you want his money. <laughs> well, no, I've got goods, so, you know, let's... Uh... Andrew Humphrey as well did uh, really well didn't he Andrew little Humphrey's, redirect he's got the name of the game he saw someone shopping for a camera he was like excuse me uh, can I interest you in some Tupperware and also <laughs> also uh, so yeah he got him to buy it for the yeah, Tupperware yeah saw his Harvard friend at work buying a, a camera put him through the link didn't even have to spend any money he's got a badge now smart guy on it just like tactically yeah. strong remember to email us southlandhardcore.gmail.com or send us a message on facebook.com southlandhardcore or tweet us at slhc to let us know you've bought something otherwise we won't know we won't be able to shout out or we won't be able to give you a badge also it's good to be able to put names to purchase there's so many things that get bought that intrigue me who bought that office chair? and a reminder that you can still win Alice Devine's brilliant South London all time 11 print which uh, last time we mentioned on the show, we haven't actually seen it, so we weren't as enthusiastic as we are now. <laughs> it's great, really, really good. Uh, if you tweet a link to our all-time South London 11 and use the hashtag SLXI for South London 11, and we'll pick a winner at random to win Alice's print. Entries close Sunday evening. 
depends but, it depends on what time uh, if, if the you know World Cup goes to extra time that's an extra half hour for you to tweet a link and qualify but essentially once though? once that cup is aloft the entries are closed 13th of July 2014 for those of you who are not football lovers but then why would you enter <laughs> not to be confused with new Kent Road like the old Kent Road doesn't go all the way to Elephant no just to clarify if anyone's expecting talk about Polsky slip on there or oh what are they going to say about the Haygate Nothing. It's <laughs> <a> new camera. <laughs> the flyover, I think, aesthetically, is I really like it. Let's see, just have turning around to have a look. Yeah, just to make sure. No, I agree. It's um, it's an imposing structure, but I don't think it overwhelms the surrounding area. No, it doesn't, especially given recent, very recent improvements to the roundabout. It used to be fenced all the way around, and that was quite forbidding. But now, I mean, that's a like a really nice roundabout. And it's just a nice concrete structure. It's the sort of thing that kind of, without putting any thought into it, people kind of assume is horrible. You know, like council estates and uh, underpasses. Things that are in theory, something, you know, culturally, it's in people's minds that these are terrible things. But I, I love the flyover. I think it's a kind of, I'll go so far as a beautiful landmark, Steve. A brutalist masterpiece. Yeah. I've walked over it once, over the car bit. There's, there's a pavement all the way over. Right, right. Yeah, I was making a music video, uh, Eat More Cake. Oh, is it the one the with the... Smoke and Mirrors. Yeah, it's yeah. all done with uh, it's stop motion. Yeah. The Brickhouse Arms, obviously, a pub that is no longer there. Uh, I mean, you know, a more thorough researcher might have found out where it was, Steve. But <laughs> have you? Well, the thing is, you know, famously along the old Kent Road, it's a similar story to the borough, where it was once dotted with pubs and the majority have gone now yeah it's the nature of things isn't it I have a drink at home <laughs> is that the idea well, there, well also there's a, a Lidl in it you can get some very reasonably priced uh, alcohol there yeah it'll look very similar to a name brand is this Martini Rosso kind of <laughs> kind of just to the left you know we're heading from north to south Mandela Way, which leads down to some Tate warehouses, intriguingly. But you know, we're not on. The, we're not doing the Mandela Way episode, are we? <laughs> not yet. Not but yet. we're here though to talk about the T thirty four tank that has become an international landmark almost. Yeah, I mean, we're, you know, we're we're recording this ten foot away from a gold tank. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, is the story true that the guy applied for? planning permission yeah to get a tank and they just assumed he meant a water tank yeah and he just put a T-34 from uh, from Czechoslovakia so it was used in the 1968 uprising quite <laughs> like that in your lawn <laughs> is that true Joy? Uh I'd like to think so you, you're, you're asking the wrong person because like if there's a chance there's a ridiculous story I'll go with that Anna so do you know what it's called I don't Stompy <laughs> and it sounds like something off of like The Simpsons. That was uh, Stampy. Was the elephant in the Simpsons? <laughs> yeah, it? it was. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, named after Stompy, is it? No, no ecstasy. It's not that. But Show he's, me there. Uh, oh, it's my handwriting. It's terrible. But he was an ANC activist. Oh right. And he was killed by Winnie Mandela's bodyguards. Right. Because they thought he was like an apartheid guy. But yeah, the tank came over for Richard the Third. Uh, the film. Starring Robert Downey Jr. and Ian McKellen, you ever seen that? Yeah, it was the um, it was Branner, was it? I think directed it. No. No. Uh, I don't think so. Oh, okay. Um, 
Yeah, it was like a modern take, though, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. obviously. That's and why they, they got, got tank. Get, uh, Otherwise, it's very out. historically off, isn't it? Oh, look, it says Stompy on the side of it. Oh, yeah. It's well decorated as well, isn't it? You know, you've got uh, a sort of Olympic logo done out in CND symbols. And, you know, very up to date. There's this year's World Cup logo right in front of it. There is uh, well, there's a local legend. I read on a blog, you know, a local uh, legend that uh, is pointed at the council offices. <laughs> it's not, though, is it? It's pointed at, like, the Hennepin Castle. <laughs> it's not pointed at Tooley Street, is it? Hannibal House, isn't it? Which has nothing to do with planning. No. <laughs> Worth yeah. a visit, though, I'd say. Yeah, yeah, it's quite at the site, isn't it? It sounds odd, like, you know, to say to people, get on a bus and go to this odd little road off the, the old Kent Road. But it is uh, a gold-painted, decorated T-34 tank. I mean, at the moment, you've got, scattered over London, a load of benches in the shape of children's books painted, and they're, they're dreadful. <laughs> um, and you get this all the time, elephants. Uh, Paul Smith's done one, and I don't know, David Hockney's done an elephant. All these different things, you know, this kind of... It's got a union flag on it, of course it has. Yeah, exactly. There's yeah, always one. There's always one. Whatever, oh, whatever has been mirrors. painted, someone's done a union flag on one this of them. This kind of manufactured, kind of tourist treasure hunt art installation thing, I, I'm not a fan. But this is organic, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, yeah. Some guy has just, was well, organic as a guy puts a tank <laughs> in Burmese. I played these seeds, I didn't know what they were, and then suddenly, <laughs> one day, with careful watering and nurturing. But this, I mean, this is a, this has got history, do you know what I mean? I mean, it was in, it's a Soviet, an ex-Soviet tank. Yeah, 68 Rising, I mean... And it's gold! <laughs> <laughs> but you can imagine, yeah, we've uh, put a load of 25 Soviet tanks plotted around London. <laughs> <laughs> oh, look, there's one on the South Bank covered in Smarties. <laughs> We're at bus stop F now, northbound. Bus is 2142-5363-162363. South London's most famous bus stop right now, you'd have to say? Yeah, certainly. AV Club. International news, isn't Just, it? yeah, all over the internet. And tell us why it's been. It's been going on for a few years, but it seems to be one of those things that people just sort of like caught people's imagination. But for a long time, there's been a VHS copy of Hellraiser on top of the bus stop and every so often it would disappear but then another copy would appear and I think copies of Book have also appeared other films almost immediately as the uh, this raft of articles came out someone chucked a Toy Story 2 up there and today we'll be doing something similar I think Steve I um we're going to be part of the story we're going to blur the lines of journalism that we normally <laughs> adhere to strictly and put ourselves right in the middle of it in the past I might have watched Hellraiser and answer the show but you know the world cops on our busy father like it's from the 80s and it's a horror film so there's two reasons i definitely won't like it it's not good is it and if you want to hear about hellraiser listen to the dean alley's podcast i imagine they took well on there let's see if a seagull just stopped in the middle of the old Kent road but i brought a video with me steve i don't know what video this is as well should well, i try and guess should we do any sort of thing where i try and guess yeah go on then if you like is it a feature film Yes. Is it American? Yes. Is it from the 80s? No. Is it from the 90s? Yes. Is it... Does it start Brad Pitt? No. Is it I'm, directed by the Coen brothers? No, but let me get, let me tell you something. It's not my... I've never seen the film. Right. I was in a charity shop in Peckham, and they had loads of videos for 10p each, so I bought it specifically for this, okay. to leave my mark on this bus. Is it Notting Hill? 
Why would that be my mug? <laughs> I'm just trying to think what you'd find in a. It's, ah, it's Francis Ford what Coppola's an, Jack. What an ego on this guy. Robin Williams. He's a healthy ten-year-old boy. He's not. He's got an aging disorder. <laughs> But uh, I've stuck a sample of the hardcore flyer in there as well. Maybe I'll even make it. What way, what way up should we do? Like I reckon Jack way up, but then it's almost like a message in the bottle, then, isn't it? When history finds. There you go, marked, isn't it? Uh, or maybe I can get it to stand up on both sides. So one side is sample and hardcore, one side is Jack. Alright, I'm going to chuck it up there, Steve. See if you can capture the sound of me chucking a, a Jack VHS on top of a bus stop. <laughs> 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 but you did uh, terrify everyone at the bus stop <laughs> which I think was the most important thing wasn't it that's what we were going for history if you were doing this walking tour which is not necessarily recommended do it on the bus isn't it yeah the windows. Well, you, I don't know you, you want to see new cross for some reason yeah but you want to see the tank yeah see the tank yeah and well, this is the bus that you're going to go to so you'll probably see yeah the church church the light of the world Iglesia La Luz del Mundo it's one of the most bizarre looking churches I've ever seen it's I mean I, I don't even know where to start Steve it looks like an elongated cottage doesn't it yeah. it looks like uh, something quite pastoral there's a tree very nice looking tree a little path leading up to it yeah it looks, it looks very steep yeah yeah and uh, they've got a banner at the moment for uh it's always the 50th uh, apostolic anniversary of uh, Samuel Joaquin Flores, Apostle of Jesus Christ. Uh, he's, got a, he's got a suit on no tie. I'm all out of um, apostolic remembrance cards. He's going to be furious, isn't he? Imagine getting the 42 bus down the Kent Road and oh, never seeing the top that of that bus cruel, stop. That's isn't it? Single What's decker. The, get, get off, everyone. What are you playing <laughs> at? And, yeah, next door is uh, Iman Supermarket. Which used to have my favourite name of a... It's a, it's a mini-market sort of thing. It used to be called Modern Supermarket. And I always <laughs> thought that was brilliant. Oh, no, Modern Supermarket. Oh, no, no, it's not. Is it? No, Modern Supermarket's like five floors down. <laughs> in, um, I might have said this before, but in Forest Hill, there's two shops. So I assume they're owned by the same people. Uh, and one of the shops is called Food Shop. And across the road, you've got Drink Store. <laughs> So Steve, we're coming down what you might call the traditional stretch of the Oakland Road shops, essentially. Isn't it? We're just going past Taylor Phil Garment Design. Don't know if it's a link to Taylor the Phil Power. <laughs> Taylor Power the Phil. Although this mannequin in the window says power to me, isn't it? Yeah, that's quite. Tremendous. Both of them quite a frost of the groins, isn't it? Yeah, it's a Caucasian mannequin wearing traditional African clothes. <laughs> Boss revolution across the road, Steve. Le joint asprey. <laughs> uh, so go on, Steve. Talk about what next year. Oh no, arena. Talk about arena first. Okay. On YouTube, there's four clips that together make up an episode of Arena, a documentary strand from the BBC from the 1980s. This one's from 1985, and it's just called The Old Kent Road. On that, they talked to a tailor who explains at one point there were 17 tailors along the Old Kent Road and he's the only one left. I don't know if that's the same location. It's hard to sort of... There's no way for us to sort of track it, is there? But I don't think... Yeah, I don't know. I, I thought well, it's quite funny when he said, you know, some people come from as far as Hastings. To get, <laughs> so, so you've got a customer from Hastings. 
Yeah, it's just a slice of life, isn't it? Captures yeah, it's, uh, the road at, at the time. But also, it seems almost determined not to have any sort of narrative or agenda or story. You know, in a way that modern documentaries seem determined to have an arc. They want to tell a story. They want to prove a point. There's a moment where they talk about compulsory purchase orders and they make it clear that it's the council that has ruined the road for them as, as, as business owners, that have purchased a lot of residential homes and then turned them into, you know, what we're seeing now in South London as a whole, turned them into smaller buildings that hold fewer people and are with higher rates. So it's pricing out a certain type of people from the community. And, you know, there's a bit where um, I think the guy in the pie and mash shop talks about how, and this is 985, he's like, you know, all the old people have moved out to Kent. Yeah. As he's telling these stories, he's, I don't know, I'm assuming he's trying to kill eels, but he does a terrible job. I mean, he chops them up and guts them but they're still alive in the bucket. I mean, that's fresh, but... <laughs> Too fresh. Sorry, I'm fresh. <laughs> My favourite part of the documentary, we'll, put, we'll put a link to it on southlandhardcore.com, is, uh, is the shoe shop. Yeah. The, uh, the guy who opened it, he's talking about open, you know, his time as a trader, and he says that his favourite painter is Claude Monet, so he uh, called the shop Nuggets. <laughs> Paul Nudity, Steve. Yeah, I mean, this is what I talk about in terms of there not being any attempts at narrative. Like, there's a scene where they cut to, uh, I'm assuming it's the Drover's Arms, in that there's like a neon sign. It's very it's 80s, the one that's, I think. It's uh, that pub at the corner of Burden and Bush Road that we'll get to eventually. Right, is right. Bush Road? Bush? I think it is Burden yeah. Bush Road, yeah. And it is, it's just, there's no voiceover to sort no. of put in any sort of context. It's just a scene in a pub. And a guy introduces a stripper on stage yeah. and just like, come oh, all the way. Cut, they'll cut soon. Or there'll be a, a voiceover sort of talking about, you know, we've talked about it before. Sex workers. Or, paid, you know, you could make an argument about the Old Kent Road following on from the tradition of the borough and Borough High Street and, like, you know, being part of that same road leading to Dover and therefore a lot of pubs, a lot of bawdy entertainment, and there being a history and a context to it. But instead, they just have. A woman doing a trip to, and it like carries on for a long time and you're like just watching going I don't know in terms of the documentary what the point of this scene is I can understand why you would put this BBC into something as well yeah yeah a couple of nice uh, cameos as well you see Henry Cooper coming out of his pub the Henry Cooper but again they don't talk to him or engage with him it's just footage of him walking out of the pub so it's almost like they're determined not to tell a larger story or involve famous people. I mean, Frank Bruno, Bruno turns yeah. up, but I don't know how famous Frank Bruno is at this point. I mean, the guy he's fighting doesn't seem to be any sort of major bout. Is the Henry Cooper pub still there? No, no, there's uh, only two pubs have survived from the many that once lined the road, and that's the Thomas of Beckett, which is legendary, and I think it's called the Lord's, Lord of Admiral. There's a nice bit when... Uh, they're filming Frank Bruno and he's uh, having a medical inspection before the bout and the doctor goes up to him and says either you're getting bigger or I'm getting smaller and Frank Bruno's tearing over this guy and he goes nah nah doc it's these shoes <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's not Frank a giant you're a heavyweight boxer there's a very odd bit as well where the episode's bookended by Peter Dean best known as Pete Bill from EastEnders 
reading excerpts from the Canterbury Tales, which sort of threw me a little bit. And then at the end, it's sort of particularly odd because we, we see a pub, uh, the Green Man, one of the, the famous pubs along the Old Gate Road, and the guy's built like a champagne bar in there in an, a very early attempt at mm. uh, embracing gentrification but this is what people are after now it's nineteen eighty five, and uh, take a lady out of the evening that's that sort of thing isn't it? But you see, he's like uh, you know you come out from work you want to go out pull a sort he's like quite <laughs> sort of open about what people are after but um, he talks about these beautiful tiles that have survived and how he's kept them and the final shot of the documentary is lights, disco lights playing over these tiles as Like a Virgin by Madonna booms out of the sound system. Then it cuts to Pete Beale finishing us off with a bit more uh, Chaucer. Such a, you know, wonderful, wonderfully odd documentary but like nothing you see on television now I don't think. We're now in the Thomas Beckett pub. I mean, you can hear from the music that it's not what it once was. It's not a spit and sawdust South London boozer by any stretch of the imagination. It's like a hen night in a yuppie pub in a horror film, isn't it? It's sort of place you could you could imagine Del Boy going to, but yeah, like a BBC crew would never think to decorate it this badly. Everything about this place is incongruous. You've got like boxing signs next to sparkly hearts, things hanging from places, draped over things. It's not even a case of like each wall clashes with the next. The walls clash with themselves. Yeah, there's like half a mannequin sticking out of a pipe, and then a, a photo of Henry Cooper in the corner of a ring. And like, you know, chandeliers and... I mean, it's just hideous. The music's so loud. <laughs> like, it's, it's pushing itself as a restaurant, I think. But they're also quite happy to tap into their history. I mean, in the yeah. front of the menu, there's a, a largely fictional history of the place that talks about, you know, Joe Frazier and Muhammad Ali training in the boxing gym above the pub, but also talks about ghosts and... You know, Jack the Ripper leaving a bag of, of evidence in the pub that got that someone wrongly arrested. I don't think it did. I mean, you know, <laughs> we, they never caught him. So uh, I don't know how they've identified who that bag belonged to. It's newly refurbished and reopened because of the history, isn't it? Yeah. But, I mean, there's very little of that history left, isn't there? But the thing is, I couldn't say to people, don't come here. Definitely come here. It's, it's, remo- it's remarkable. Every stop on this tour so far is worth yeah, a visit. It's it? just like vision, visually compelling in a way that you don't imagine a dual carriageway is going to be. Um, what is the history of the place then? It was a significant point in terms of a geographical spot. It, it, it was a, a place marker in terms of the demarcation of various bishops. Is this jurisdictions. Thomas of Watering? Place? That's right, yeah, yeah. What's the difference between the two, man? I don't. Well, that was. It was Thomas of Watering was, was a spot, it was a stream. Um, it's a place where Chaucer's Pilgrim stopped. It was the first stop they made after Tabard Inn. Uh, which makes you think they haven't got a lot of stamina. They're only up the road, <laughs> isn't it? I mean, you know, literally up the road. But I mean, historically, the Thomas of Beckett pub does seem to hold a very special place in people's hearts. So you can understand the connection with Henry Cooper and, you know, the many fine boxers that trained or came out of the gym above. And of course, another reason we're here 
is to do with someone who was working in the gym above the pub. It's another great example of what happens so much was on the show, where we're very determined that this show is going to be a podcast about South London, but we get to talk about remarkable things that we'd love to talk about, but never imagine we're going to get a chance to. Today we're going to talk about performance, the incredible film from 1970, co-directed by Donald Hamill and Nicholas Rowe. A film we both love. Yeah, very much a West London film as well. When you make a list of the great London films, I think it's a little overlooked because, as you said, we both love it. Um, but there is a strong South London link. Yeah, it's largely set in Powys Square. That's where the majority of the action. Not in Hill, is it? Yeah, not in Hill. But early on in the film, they make it very clear that Chaz, the gangster on the run, lives in Wandsworth. There's a couple of lingering shots of uh, Wandsworth train station where he's making a phone call. A keep Wandsworth tidy street sign. So, you know, they're very determined to show you. And you know, it's interesting when you read around the film, people talk about the East End gangsters that were involved the in London, the film yeah, and the West London connection. And, you know, John Bindon was from West London. But the lead consultant on the film was a man called Johnny Shannon, who James Fox met in the gym above his pub, the Thomas Beckett, where he came. James Fox was a very posh actor who was cast as a working-class cockney gangster. So he came to a boxing gym, basically to toughen up. And Johnny Shannon put him through the training and said he was very, you know, he had a good left hook, apparently. Good little, good little strong jab. Always the way, isn't it? Never. Oh, De Niro. Could have yeah, yeah. Had a couple of fights. And, uh... <laughs> Johnny Shannon said he never flicked it, always threw it properly, and never, <laughs> never messed about. James Fox comes to the gym to train up, meets Johnny Shannon, who agrees to introduce him and show him around London a bit and show him his London, which is a London of what Johnny Shannon calls the chaps, which is, you know, essentially, it's gangsters. It's people involved in organised crime. One of the first bits of direction he gives James Fox is to lose the floppy hats and the flowery scarves that he's going around. He's like, that's not what the chaps wear. And after that, James Fox is... He's fully into the three-piece suits. James Fox said he became so immersed in the culture that when Johnny Shannon eventually became cast in the film, he went up to one of the producers and demanded that he got a proper rate of pay, but said he found himself just, like, leaning into the guy, just, like, <laughs> physically intimidating him. You know, where he's... he's at this point, he's Chaz. Yeah, it's a great film. Uh, it's about this gangster on the run it takes a bit of a left turn when he goes to stay with Mick Jagger who's playing a variation on himself um, and you're in Mick Jagger's West London kind of run down house for 45 minutes but it's brilliant I don't want to really go to too many parts yeah, it's not really necessary you can't sort of talk about it as a plot it's an experience mm, yeah very experience. much so like all of Nick Rogue's films yeah, we talked yeah. about um, the man not all of Nick Rogue's films not full body massage <laughs> <laughs> well, we talked about Big Rogue on the um, Bowie episode, uh, The Man Who Fell to Earth, you know, with very high opinion of him, and this is a brilliant example of his work. But yeah, Harry Flowers is it's an important character in the history of British film, in my opinion. So often yeah, in films, you know, the, the baddie, just purely bad, or, or you know, terrifying gangster, but... He's a real kind of... He's human, isn't he? And he's kind of... He's got quirks and he's kind of laughable in some ways. Yeah, he's uh, he's not physically intimidating. He's not, you know, a huge 
person in terms of his physicality and just his manners as well. He's very sort of softly spoken, quite jovial at times. But he has like sort of real emotions rather yeah, than just yeah. like I'm angry yeah, yeah. and now I'm intimidating. It's all like ah, oh, you know, like he's annoyed. Yeah, he's or like you know, yeah, yeah, yeah exactly. Yeah. And Johnny Shannon's so brilliant in it and so funny. He doesn't seem to have done very much else in his career of note, but I mean, I've not really dug into it yet. But um, he's still alive, so if, we, if you're listening to Johnny Shannon, we'd love to have you on the show. That kind of gangster character is now a staple, really. Like, you know, you look at something like Lockstock or Snatch, and it's full of Harry Flowers type characters. You know, Sexy Beast, same thing, really. Where, you, you know, before, I mean, I know this is a long period of time, but I don't know, before that, did you really have these? No, I don't think. I don't think you know. Gang, kind of gang bosses were that quite... nuanced. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. yeah. There's one bit in the film where there's a you know it's like a, a psychedelic drugged out dream sequence that ends up with the gangster characters essentially lying on the middle of the floor, stacked up naked, and if you look closely, not too closely, you'll notice that Harry Flowers isn't in there because Johnny Shannon didn't feel comfortable in a nude scene yeah right I did wonder because he is the kind of bigger mission in that scene really like what's he doing why is he not there you know? well he, he he's, there's a great quote from him where he says uh, I didn't want the nude bit imagine Rand Lambert people saying seen Johnny Shannon's fast ass up there didn't want none of that <laughs> uh, there's another self-funded connection to the film not as strong as Johnny Shannon himself but there's a fantastic song called Memo from Turner that Mick Jagger performs about three quarters of the way through the film and you know visually it's incredibly striking it's been referenced plenty of times uh, by musicians and musical acts afterwards but the song itself was recorded at Olympic Studios in Barnes which we talked about in a previous episode oh, right. yeah, yeah. it was originally supposed to feature Keith Richards on guitar Rykuda, isn't it? It's Rykuda on Slag Guitar, which gives it a very, you know... Yeah, it sound. stands out, doesn't it? Because it's not a Stone song, is it? No, no. It's, uh, yeah, but this is the thing, I think originally the plan was for the Stones, and if not the Stones, certainly Mick Jagger and Keith Richards to provide the majority of the soundtrack. But unfortunately, Keith Richards' then-girlfriend, Anita Pallenberg, was cast in the film oh. as one of the menage a trois that Dude. Mick Jagger as Turner entertains in his home there's various reports that the sex scenes in the film were not acted it's just basically Mick Jagger <laughs> at it with Keith Richards girlfriend and apparently this gets back to Keith so for apparently again uh, the majority of the shoot Mick Jagger is inside filming with the cast and crew and Keith Richards is sat outside in a limousine just waiting to see who's coming out what's going on so when it comes to uh, Mick going um, I need a guitar bit for this song Keith he's like nana come on Nah, but like you say, the Raikou, the slide, it does give it something else. I can't imagine a song without it. It's one of those things, isn't it? Quite a big gap between stops. We've come all the way from the Thomas and Beckett to the North Peckham Civic Centre, or the Civic, as it's now known. And in between, I mean, there's not a great deal to talk about, really. What has come to characterise the Old Kent Road over the last 30 years is the giant retail parks... It's become an industrial estate, essentially, isn't it? Yeah, so we went past, you know, Asda, Halfords, etc. And Argos, the sports one. And, I mean, that, that, <laughs> I mean, that is useful, though. This, the Peckham Civic Centre, I came here a few times as a kid. 
to pantomimes. Right, I came right. to see uh, Peter Pan starring Shane Ritchie, and that was pre-EastEnders, dude. So. <laughs> but it's a, it's a great building, I really like it. It's now the Everlasting Arms Ministry, as all vacant buildings on Old Kent Road are now churches, as you well know. Most notable for the mural by a Polish artist called... Is it Adam Kosowski? It's called The History of the Old Kent Road, and it is just that. The mural starts with the Romans and places the Old Kent Road at its origins as part of a Roman road. Watling Street, which ran from Dover to Hollyhead. It's remarkable, isn't it? Yeah, I mean, what is that, 200 miles? 300 yeah. miles? Yeah, yeah. Different areas of the road obviously took on different names as, as time went on. This is obviously now the Old Kent Road. There's still Watling Streets dotted up and down the country. Where Any the main... on, the, on the road? Yeah, yeah. Areas of this road have still retained the name Watling Street, including there, there's one in uh, Bexley Heath, which is, right, is that's part the closest, of the. That's, yeah, the only, the only one in South London, I think. What did you think of it? I think it's tremendous. Yeah, I really it's like great, it. Yeah. It does. It captures. It looks modern because it looks fresh and the lines are, are very clear. But it's got a look of age to it, doesn't it? Yeah, it's, it's, it's not trying to do done, anything. You know, recently we were in Lambeth Palace and there's mm. that ceiling piece, which is modern and just looks awful. And I'm not against what modern art. What I like art, about this is that it doesn't look like a kid's done it. Yeah, it looks like it was done by a professional artist with uh, an idea of history and with a set of skills. I mean, the fact that it's layered as well really adds to it, I think. Yeah, yeah. And even, like, the kind of modern stuff, because it's from, I think, 1966. The modern stuff is not sort of hitting you over the head with, like, you know, with cram this in. It's just a couple of planes going by, you know, a bus that says Elephant and Castle. It's yeah, it ends on pearly kings and queens, which I think is a reasonable place to stop. Pearly, pearly kings are podcasting. <laughs> the modern stuff reminded me of the murals at the Elephant Castle in the underpass just with like with the themes no offence uh, no to David Bratby but I don't think he's, he's quite working on uh, Kosowski's Devil you know but just things like as you say uh, omnibuses and you know street scenes it, it seems to sort of evoke the same sort of ideas the Livesey Museum for children uh, also the Livesey Library at one point I used to come here as a kid until it closed down then we went to uh, the one on Wells Way that closed down we went to Newton Library, that's burnt down now. You don't know much about libraries, have you? There's a massive blue plaque for George Livesey, 1834-1908, chairman of the South Metropolitan Gas Company and one of Suffolk's greatest industrialists. It's at a time when industrialists would do this, wouldn't it? They would take their fortunes and parlay it into the local community. They sort of, like, build things for people who work for them. Yeah, I mean... There's a lot, he gets a bit of praise here and there, George Livesey, but he was a strike breaker, Steve. Really? And uh, philanthropists, I mean, I have a difficult time with them. Because what's the alternative? Are you just going to keep all the money and let people starve to death for you? That's what we've got at the moment, it's not working. Yeah. I mean, it is good to be a philanthropist, yeah. don't get me wrong. But I just, I sometimes think people are getting praise when just being, doing a decent thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so Transpontine, he, Neil. He really kind of goes down the um, strikebreaker road, and he, he's talking about this building here. This, it's been about. You know, the council closed it down in 2008, I think it was, and you know because of cuts. 
and you know everywhere you really go despite its popularity I don't know how true that is I'm sure Camelot School which is directly behind it where Rio Ferdinand and Anton Ferdinand went they probably went on plenty of trips here but who knows if it was actually popular but it's now you know so it, was, it was closed and then there was some dispute about what they're going to do with it and it's you know there were squatters in there for a while there's a George Livesey statue out the back that's now in the garden but it reopened in the last few months I think as some kind of education type place it's, it's, next year is some kind of anniversary Steve I can't remember which but it will be open anyway right but yeah Neil he talks about the museum being it it's a beautiful building you know it's got some beautiful stonework up the top spare a thought not just for him but for the many local gas workers whose sweat and toil left this legacy you know what I mean he's a philanthropist but only because he's made that money off, off local of people's people, work yeah absolutely you know who are working what six day weeks you know for, for very little money but to contrast with another group of, of local businessmen the Rolls family who owned huge swathes of land across here and made a killing on the property market in 1870 when uh, the area started to become populated the last descendant of the Rolls family Charles Stuart Rolls took the family fortune and rather than building any sort of centre for local people or investing in the community or investing in the people who lived in the houses that he owned with his friend Henry Royce formed the Rolls Royce Motor Car Company the Rolls Royce of cars <laughs> so you know we can we can be you know dubious about George Lives' legacy but it's definitely stronger than the man who made his fortune literally out of this local area and then parlayed it into making luxury vehicles for unrepentant millionaires and billionaires yeah the most luxury of all products ever made born wow, in the old Kent Road wow watch out we've just polished off a bargain bucket I've taken two pieces home Steve <laughs> before you start saying but the buckets the buckets going in the bin that's the important thing that's the symbolic part of it yeah we were going to get some food and decided to mirror a scene from the arena documentary where a brown triumph with old plates the likes of which you just wouldn't see nowadays uh, drives through at the KFC in 1985 and we decided to pay homage to that today for our consumption of chicken and chips you know, K- KFC is not an official sponsor of the podcast, but it is, in my opinion, pound for pound, the best restaurant in the world. Because, like, you know, that, that say you spent a fiver each. Like, you go to a like a fancy place and it's like fifteen for a main. It's not three times better than chicken, is it? <laughs> if you glance across the road, Steve, you see the location where the Saffron Hardcore theme tune was composed and recorded. Yeah, of course, it's not our first time recording a long. Yeah, Glenn Holmes was that what about episode 48 yeah, something like yeah, that if you scroll down iTunes uh, you can download the Southern Hardcore theme tune in its uh, entirety it's like four minutes or something and you hear 30 seconds every week so do that cause it's a great track man and that's why we chose it X2 alright we're not really sure that there's a lot to talk about on the rest of the old camera like we're going to go past Toys R Us and Mothercare and then uh, get to Wilderton Road where it ends. But, uh, I mean, we could just give the website link when we get there, Steve, maybe. <laughs> just to cap it off. Just sort of say, this is what we've done. Yeah, there was nothing else. As we suspected. Yeah. 
Toys R Us, Babies R Us. Some fake signs. Oh look though, that's his 899, so is that 899 Old Kent Road? Does that mean we're still on Old Kent Road, do we have to keep going? We've entered the borough of Lewisham, Steve, which means it's time to go home, doesn't it? It does. Thanks for listening. SouthlandHardcore.com for the Arena documentary and other episodes, including the all-time South London 11 episode, which you can win a great print by tweeting the episode link, hashtag SLXI, SL11. 